0: Well, grace you in peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are continuing this sermon series, Never Alone, our sermon series on church membership, and we're talking about uh, the fact that as church members, it means that we gather together here as a congregation. And it might seem like a strange thing for us to talk about, given the reading of Ezekiel 37. Uh, In fact, it's a resurrection reading, and it might seem kind of strange that we're talking about uh, that reading, we'll go to that in a few minutes, uh, uh, we'll It might seem kind of strange that we're looking at that reading at all during Lent because it's a resurrection reading. But it shows us what we're looking forward to. And uh, it, it shows us also something about gathering together as the people of God when we look a little bit closer at what it has to say. Um, If you don't remember the kind of broader sweep of the Old Testament, here's a real quick refresher. You remember, of course, that uh, God brought his people Israel out of Egypt and delivered them to the promised land, to the land of Canaan. Uh, And and that was the place where they were supposed to kind of be his people and exist with him in a covenant, the covenant that he formed with them on Mount Sinai. And the problem, as you know, is that Israel's sinners, just like we are, and so they broke the covenant. And they broke it again and again and again, and after hundreds of years, God brings Babylon in to destroy Jerusalem and to carry the people Israel off to exile. That's what's happening in Ezekiel 37. Exile is not a good thing. Uh, When we get to Ezekiel 37, the people have been in exile for a long time, and they've lost their homes, and they've lost their families, and they've lost their friends But it's an especially bad thing if you're an Israelite, because Canaan was the place where you were supposed to dwell with God, and so it was very obvious to them, and it's very obvious also in Ezekiel that exile is a spiritual problem. It's not just a political problem for them, it's a spiritual problem. So let's take a look at Ezekiel uh, 37, verse 11, Uh, and this is kind of where we see this. Uh, It says, "'Then he said to me, "'Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel.' Behold, they, Israel, say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. These words that God puts in Israel's mouth, they identify the spiritual problem. And if you notice, Israel says three things up here. First of all, they say, Our bones are dried up. Now remember, this is the vision of Ezekiel, right? The valley of the dry bones thing. It's a spiritual experience. They're talking about a spiritual problem is really spiritually dead. When you read Ezekiel 37, it's kind of an interesting reading because it doesn't happen very often in the Old Testament that people describe the scene. You know, a modern novel, if they were talking about the room that we're sitting in, they'd talk about uh, the sun coming through the blinds and maybe the color of the chairs and stuff like that. The Bible doesn't do that. But Ezekiel 37 is an exception. Remember at the beginning of the reading, the Spirit of God brings Ezekiel into the valley and he takes Ezekiel, walks Ezekiel all around the valley so he can get a really good look at all the bones. And he says two things. He says they're everywhere, there's a ton of bones, and he says they are very, very dry. And that's the point. He wants to make sure Ezekiel and we can see just how dry those bones are, just how dead the people of Israel really are. And the message of Ezekiel 37 is they're real dead. CBR is not going to do anything for these bones. There's no defibrillator in the world that's going to bring them back to life. Israel is spiritually dead. And that leads to the second thing in this verse in front of you, that our hope is lost, they say. Our hope is lost. Because they're spiritually dead, they're also hopeless." And the third thing they say up here is really a pretty interesting thing. We are indeed cut off. Now, the way that those Hebrew words work, they show us that what they mean is that they are cut off from one another. The people of Israel are cut off from each other. So this isn't just a problem for all of Israel as a group. It's a problem for individual Israelites. They are isolated. They are cut off. They are lonely. They seem to be separated from God when they're in exile, but they are certainly scattered from the people around them. They're dead, and they're hopeless, and they're scattered. And it's not just a problem for Israel. It's not just a problem in the Old Testament. It's not just a problem when you're in Babylon. We find ourselves that way more often than we'd probably like to admit. Dead is the first thing. You know, death is a spiritual problem, I mean, physical death. Not, not, not how you deal with death, not what you do with death, not how you cope. Death itself is a spiritual problem. Here's what I mean. Paul says this. This is from Romans. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul tells us that death is a spiritual problem. Death came from sin. Death came into the world through Adam. Death is something that we inherited too because we inherited Adam's sin. And that means we're going to die. And it also means that we are sinners who cannot do anything to change that. That means we too are hopeless, unable to do anything ourselves to save our lives. And then there's that third piece scattered. I read this Harvard study, uh, and it was a study that they conducted in February 2021, and, and what they said is uh, 70% of people, 70% said that they at least occasionally felt seriously lonely, that at least some of the time they felt seriously lonely. Now, I mean, you look at the date, February 2021, and it's easy to kind of look at that and go, oh, yeah, of course they said that. That's the middle of the pandemic when everybody's isolated and shut off, Right. But the other thing I asked people was how that compared to two months before the pandemic ever started. And the numbers were only off by about 10%. In other words, those feelings of isolation, COVID just magnified what was already going on. And that's that we are a lonely nation. We're lonely people. We are isolated by all kinds of things. We're isolated by technology. We are isolated by tribalism. And now after COVID, we're isolated by habit, a lot of us. Many of us don't get together with people the way that we used to. And there's another thing, too. Pastor Brandon told us this a couple weeks ago, that sin itself isolates, pushes people apart, and that's true, too. We're a lonely nation. We're a scattered nation, and it's not just an out-there problem. It's not just a problem outside the walls of the church. We see those same things in the body of Christ, same things in the church, They're not just societal problems. They're not just social problems. They are spiritual problems. So the question is, what's the answer? Well, the answer in Ezekiel 37 is resurrection. It's the only answer it gives. So let's look at verse 11 again, but this time uh, I'm going to add verse 12 along with it. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. We've heard that already. But here's what God says. Therefore, because of that, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. That's God's answer. These are God's words to dead and hopeless and scattered Israel. And what they do is they paint a picture for us. They paint a picture of what God is going to do. Notice he says that, behold, I will do this. They paint a picture of what God is going to do, and they paint a picture of a revived and restored and regathered Israel. Now this happens literally, remember, happens literally when Israel comes back from exile and they're brought back to Jerusalem. But this is a spiritual problem. And just coming back to the land isn't going to cut it. They are spiritually dead, and the only answer is resurrection. And that, of course, gets literally fulfilled in Jesus. Not thousands of bones on a valley floor, but one man's bones hanging on a cross on top of a hill just outside Jerusalem. He's exiled from the city. He is exiled from his Father in heaven. He's exiled even from the earth when he's hanging on the cross physically and spiritually exiled so that God's people could be physically and spiritually gathered. He's just as dead when he dies on the cross as those bones on the valley floor. But then there's Easter Sunday. Then there's resurrection. Resurrection that revives and restores and regathers. See, Jesus' death and resurrection, it doesn't just bring Israel back to a certain plot of land. It brings God's people back to their heavenly Father so that he can again call them my people. And Easter Sunday and the resurrection, it isn't just for Jesus. It isn't even just for Israel. It's for God's people at all times and in all places, which means it is for you. So that he can call you my people too. Death is a spiritual problem that Jesus' death and his resurrection solves because he takes your sin on himself. He dies the death that we deserve. He's resurrected so that one day we will live also. Death is a spiritual problem and resurrection is the only answer, which means Jesus is the only answer. Here's how Paul says it. Uh, Read this one with me if you would. we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like His. That's how we start funerals, all of us reading those words together. And see, Jesus Paul's point is that Jesus' resurrection raises you to life. Your baptism means that you are going to be physically raised to life one day. Your baptism means that the spiritual problem of death, it's already solved for you because Jesus rose. That resurrection, His resurrection in the past, that's a fact. Our resurrection up in the future, that's our hope. But resurrection matters for the present also. See, resurrection in the present is power. It is empowering. And here's what I mean by that. See, if you don't have to worry about death, if you don't have to worry about your future, because you have the hope of a guaranteed future by something that you haven't done but by God Himself, That means you don't have to worry about yourself so much and that's a really important thing this is from that same harvard study this next quote and here's what it says i'll read this one to you in this age of hyper individualism the degree to which americans have prioritized self-concerns and self-advancement and demoted concern for others in many communities has left Americans stranded and disconnected. Hyper-individualism, prioritizing self over others, it sounds an awful lot like the first commandment, doesn't it? Fear, love, and trust, not in ourselves above all things, but in God above all things. In fact, the easiest way to sin is to put yourself in the place of God, to put yourself as the thing you fear, love, and trust in most. This is a secular study, of course, but they hit the nail on the head without even knowing it. It's the first commandment. And look what they go on to say. I was blown away when I read this. We need to return to to an idea that was central to the founding, to our founding, and is at the heart of many great religious traditions. We have commitments to ourselves, but we also have vital commitments to each other, including those who are vulnerable. we ought to return to religion. What a great thing to say. And by the way, not just any religion, but Christianity does this better than anybody else. And we'll talk about that. But I want to note the word that they use here. Vital commitments. You know what vital means? It comes from the Latin word for life. It means necessary for life. Our commitments to one another are necessary for life. And again, they hit the nail on the head here without even knowing it. See, Christianity does this better than anybody else because Christianity is completely based on the idea of God's commitment to us in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. God's commitment to us, God's commitment to solving our spiritual problem for us so that we don't have to worry about ourselves. But he gathers our church together so that we can worry about one another. We can commit to one another. Here's the last part of our membership covenant. We've been looking at the different pieces. The last part is this. I will support the testimony of my church by attending worship and learning faithfully, receiving the Lord's Supper regularly, and living a godly life as a repentant sinner. You know why that's part of the deal? You know why we say that to all of our new Zion Connect people? You know why it's important that you are, if at all possible, in this room, in this sanctuary, with the people of God? For two reasons. First of all, this is where you get resurrection. You notice how resurrection worked in Ezekiel 37? It wasn't that God just did it. He didn't just wave his hands over the bones, right? He says, prophesy, Ezekiel. Speak. He uses somebody to speak his word to his people. That's how resurrection comes. And that has not changed. It hasn't changed at all. It happens here every single Sunday. You hear God's word, and you receive his gifts. And through that, the Holy Spirit gives you resurrection. He gives you resurrection in the words that you hear. He gives you resurrection in the body and blood of Jesus that you receive. That's how God works. It's how God brings you resurrection. you got to be here because you need it, just like I need it. We need it as sinners. That's one reason you got to be here in this room. The other reason, the second reason, is because the body of Christ needs you here. Because our commitment is not just to ourselves, it's to other people. It's not just that you need church. It's that church needs you too. And here's what I mean. You know, when I go to shut-in visits... Uh, Sometimes shut-ins, you know, they they watch online Which, of course, if you are a shut-in, I'm glad you can do that If you can't get here, I'm glad that we have that And you know what they talk about? Very often They talk about their favorite thing about watching online Guess what it is? It's not the sermon (laughs) I don't know what that says (laughs) But it's not the sermon And it's not hearing the hymns even You know what it is? It's watching people come up here to communion It's seeing people come up here to the rail. It's seeing the people that they know coming up and gathering around the body of Christ. It's knowing that the people of God are together, that the body of Christ is together even if they can't be here to to be with us. It's knowing that, and, and listen to this, it is knowing that for people that they care about, this is important. This matters. Being here, gathered here, around the Word of God matters. You've got to be here. You've got to be in this room, gathered, if at all possible, because when you do that, you are saying something. When you do that, you are helping other people in their faith, even when you don't know it. So I'm going to end today with an exhortation. And it's a very simple exhortation. It's this. If at all possible, gather. If at all possible, gather. If you are here today for the first time just since Wednesday or the first time in a few weeks or the first time in a long time, I'm glad you're here. I'm really happy to see you. We are glad you're here. We are glad to be gathered together. And if that's you, come back and gather next week. Come back and gather the week after that. If you're watching online this morning and you haven't really made a habit of coming back to church since COVID, come back if you can. Come back next week for Psalms, Palm Sunday. Come back the week after that for Easter. Gather. Because this place is the place that God raises you from death to life every single week. Gather because we live in a lonely world, and we live in a lonely society, and sometimes we even live in a pretty lonely church. And by being here in this room gathered, you say something. You say something encouraging and meaningful by gathering here around Jesus, even when you don't use any words at all. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.